Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and I'm so pleased you've taken the time to hit play. Merry Christmas for next week as well, and happy holidays, and may your festive season be wonderful with all your loved ones, family, and friends. This is a weekly podcast about El Camino de Santiago, or the Way of St. James. It's a pilgrimage across Europe, and pilgrims walk from all over the world to the city of Santiago de Compostela. Now, it's not just a, a long walk or a long hike. It's a pilgrimage, a chance to find something, an opportunity for growth, for renewal, for a new beginning. Or maybe you're trying to find answers. I receive emails and messages from all over the world. Indeed, if you want to get in touch, just go to danmullinsmusic.com. I'm normally pretty good at getting back to people, but I have a very demanding day job as a producer on the top-rating radio show in Australia, so I can tend to be a bit busy, but I'll do my best to get back to you. The US writer Thomas M. Siriano wrote his memoir, The Constant Outsider, Memoirs of a South Boston Mechanic, 10 years ago. He wrote, each of us is a book waiting to be written, and that book, if written, results in a person explained. Well, I received an email a fortnight ago from the American pilgrim, Kenneth Strange Jr. He wrote to tell me he'd written a book. Kenneth Strange is on the line from California. Welcome, pilgrim. Dan, uh, good to be with you. I sometimes say I don't know a lot about my interviewee, but, you know, I kind of know a bit about you because I've read the book. It's The book's called Your Camino, One Couple's 500-Mile Pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago. You and your wife, Aurora, or Rory, walked together. But let's go back a bit, Ken. You've actually had a long association with Spain. Take us through what you call a love affair. Well, it's been a lifelong love affair with the country, and I suppose it begins... um, Oddly enough, in Brooklyn, uh, my father was a a police officer with the New York Police Department, and uh, he had been assigned to a Hispanic uh, neighborhood in Brooklyn, and he wanted to communicate effectively with the residents. So uh, he purchased a a record, a Spanish record, and uh, he would, you know, he brought it home and he started practicing Spanish, and, you know, I'm following him around like a puppy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, uh, you know, why don't you practice with me? So uh, I, I did that, fell in love with the sounds, um, especially when he said uh, the name Isabel, Isabel. And uh, I, I kind of took to it like like a song. And then um, in, in, in high school, I took a, uh, a, a trip, a high school trip to Madrid uh, with a uh, with the group and uh, spent two weeks there, uh, and I met uh, I met some Basque people who were also taking a trip uh, to uh, to Madrid, a school trip. And uh, oddly enough, uh, I made friends with these Basques, and uh, we can t- continue to be friends uh, uh, even today. And then uh, later, uh, I, I became a Spanish major in college, and then took a junior year abroad in Madrid, studying at the uh, University of Madrid, and. Um, since then, I've made, I guess, about a dozen trips to Spain uh, since then. So I, I've always uh, loved Spain, and uh, it's, it's, it's quite, a, quite a country. What is it, do you think, that appeals to you so much? I, I would say it's uh, exotic uh, enough. Uh, I, love, uh, I love flamenco mm. uh, music. Yeah. And, 
you, you know, dan the dance, uh, the food is is wonderful, and uh, the people uh, just seem to me to be so open, uh, so hospitable, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm a history uh, buff, so there's uh, there's a lot of history as as you know, yeah, uh, in in Spain, so. Um, you know, and I've been, you know, studying uh, the temp, the Knights Templar and the Spanish Civil War, and the uh, the history of the Camino itself. So, all of these things factor into this uh, uh, this this love for for Spain. And you actually met Martin Sheen really early on too, didn't you? Well, that's a funny story because uh, uh, I actually met Martin Sheen in uh, 1979. And um, you know, my mo my mother and I were in the, in an airport in New York City. Uh, his flight had just come in from Los Angeles, and he was just kind of riding the crest of that uh, uh, iconic movie Apocalypse Now. Of course, yeah. So he and his entourage were you know in the terminal coming uh, toward us, and I was with my mother, and I was uh, actually headed out to um, to England on my way to Saudi Arabia, where I had taken a job. And uh, I, my mother said, asked me, uh, Ken, who, who is that guy? And mm -hmm. I said, uh, that's, that's Martin Sheen. He's, you know, Apocalypse Now. And so as, as, as he and the entourage just almost uh, got to us, my mother uh, surprisingly screamed out, Martin Sheen. And, uh, <laughs> that just, and, and that just detained him and the entourage. And he looked over and he stopped and he, big smile, and he said, Hi. <laughs> and uh, so, so, oddly enough, that was the first time uh, I met Martin Sheen. And then uh, so many years later, our paths cross again. Uh, we're doing some volunteer work in uh, for the church uh, down in uh, Tijuana, Mexico. And, uh, you know, he was telling me about his uh, the movie The Way and how his son had directed him in the movie and how, you know, he had fallen in love with Spain uh, because, he you know, he has uh, Spanish roots, of yeah, course. Yeah. But uh, such a nice man, such a wonderful man, and uh, uh, he was he was uh, nice enough to read my manuscript when it, we came back from the Camino. Uh, he was nice enough to read my manuscript, uh, "It's Your Camino," uh, the book, and he called about three days later and he said, uh, "Ken, uh, I love this story. It, it's it's special," and uh, <laughs> you know that of course made me feel pretty happy and. And then uh, I said, hey, would you, Martin, would you mind? Uh, well, he asked me, he said, can I do anything for you? And I said, uh, yes, uh, you know, if you can provide a, a quote for the book cover, uh, that would be splendid. And a few days later, I received a uh, handwritten letter, and uh, he had a list of um, quotes. I think there were five of them. And he said, uh, take any one or a combination thereof. How lovely. What a, what a, what a nice man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I agree wholeheartedly with him because it is a great book. And part of the reason we're talking is to promote it. So we won't, <laughs> we won't give away too much. But if you've ever seen a book that I'm researching, it looks like a Christmas tree. It's got yellow, green and orange highlighters, and yellow <laughs> stickers, all right? So, so I just, I've got it here in front of me, but I've, I've, I've written a script, but I want to throw a few passages at you, some of the parts of the book that I highlighted. You said... In the beginning, I came to the Camino hoping to accomplish several goals, travel and discover the allure of Pamplona, lose weight, come up with enough material for a book, take a break from life, and perhaps, just maybe, learn something about myself. 
As you can see, these goals revolved around me. When I got off the Camino, none of that seemed to matter anymore. That's a very powerful observation, Kent. That none of that seemed to matter anymore. Because you you went with a very firm intention and came home leaving it all behind. I, I suppose it was uh, uh, really uh, so many um, items of a bucket list. And uh, when we actually got to the Camino and started to flow within the Camino, uh, I, I learned that uh, just staying in the moment uh, mm. and, and, and not expecting too much and uh, embracing uh, surprise and, and, and what's around the corner uh, oh, 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 that seemed to become more important than, than anything else. And, um, and by the way, uh, the losing the weight thing, well, that went out the window pretty quickly because uh, you, you know, uh, Dan about those, um, the, the, uh, uh pilgrim's meal. And, uh, I don't want to, it's tough to admit this, but I actually gained five pounds right. on the Camino. I should have asked you, um, that's funny, but I should have asked you in the course of all of your love affair and your previous associations with Spain, had you ever walked any of the Camino or was this entirely the first time? Uh, Entirely the first time. We had been to the, uh, we had been to Santiago de Compostela in 1985 um, when we were, uh, I was returning from the Middle East with, with Aurora and we stopped, of course, we stopped in Spain once more. Uh, we drove up to uh, Santiago de Compostela, and it was uh, kind of, um, I'd say, early fall, but it was uh, dreary and, and damp, uh, drizzling. And uh, there, there were in 1985, we didn't notice any pilgrims there. As, as hard as we looked, uh, we, you know, the, pe- people were just not making the, the, the trip in the numbers they're making today no. uh, back then. And, you know, let, let me just, uh, you know, I did a lot of research on, on the Camino, and I'll just throw this at you. But uh, when I was uh, studying at the University of Madrid back in 1975-76, uh, which was the Franco era when he, he, just, he just died, but uh, in that year, there were 74 pilgrims that made, that made the uh, journey. And, you know, as you know, uh, last year, uh, I think there were, 327,000 pilgrims uh, who made who made the journey. So uh, the numbers are just, uh, you know, exponentially in- increasing. That's a very powerful observation, isn't it, really, when you think about it from 76, 40 years later, there's 300, almost 400,000. I mean, I know, I know there's a lot of talk about how, how the Spanish managed the future of the Camino. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Know, I can't help thinking when I do, um, think about it, that the energy is what will save the Camino. The, the, the collective spirit and energy of the, of the, of the pilgrims, I think, will, will sustain it. Uh, I, I, perhaps, perhaps it's a, a bit of a romantic view, but I, don't, I can't see it sort of being ruined, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Dan, 100. percent And uh, I hope I hope that's the way it, yeah. it turns out. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I've been monitoring some of the Camino sites, and I noticed this past year that um, uh, there have been some pilgrims turned away uh, at, at at the lodging at 
you know, for accommodations uh, in some of the uh, first few villages on the Camino Frances. Uh, and I'd heard, uh, you know, people talking now about a possible lottery to do it. Uh, so I, ho I hope it doesn't go, to, I hope it doesn't come to that, but um, it, it's just become so popular. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, a social, it's a religious phenomenon. And yeah. You, you, you know that as well as I. Yeah. I, I've got marked here another passage. You wrote, the Camino was greater than any one person's personal goals or cutting another notch in a belt full of achievements. It was about putting oneself out there for other people, for one's fellow pilgrims. It was no longer about me. It was mm -hmm. about them. And that's yeah. a lovely summary of what is sometimes very difficult to put into words. Thank, uh, thank you. I, I, I just felt uh, so inspired. My wife and I felt so inspired by our fellow pilgrims uh, that you know we just wanted to do everything uh, to uh, help them, uh, to assist them, uh, whatever that would be, in in whatever situation we had come upon. And I mentioned it in the book. You know, my wife's a nurse, and you know she she took care of a few pairs of feet out yeah. there, blisters and. Um, you know, of course, I, I speak Spanish, and a number of the pilgrims uh, don't. So I was, I was out there. You know, can I help you translate? Can I help you get lodging for the evening, or, or even, you know, even just listening uh, to people, like um, the, um, uh, the Serbian, the, the Serbian uh, pilgrim, the young man who, who uh, walked with us uh, yeah. with. Uh, you know, with joy, uh, and you know, he'd come out. He'd, he'd come out of a crushing, a crushing relationship, and had been um, uh, really surprised when when she left. And so he he just needed someone to talk to, and and I was there. I, I was happy. I was there for him to um, to, to bounce some things off off of each other, and to to listen and to empathize. Um, with 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 that person, I, you know, I'm a people person, so. You know, it, it's something that um, it just seems instinctive to, to, and, and I'm curious to to find out about other people, and um, you know, if if I can help help them or uh, empathize with them or or and learn something as well in the process, uh, I'm happy to do so. Did you write the book on the Camino? You know, what I did is I uh, wrote. Uh, several short stories, and uh, I you know, put I kind of uh, put it up. I was not I was not in the social media uh, yet. I, I did not have a Facebook account or a Twitter, anything like that. So you know, I was using LinkedIn, and uh, that's a more serious business like uh, mm. platform. But nevertheless, I, I, you know, I put out a few photos with some short little abbreviated stories. And I got I got some really nice feedback, and um, so I thought you know just keep going, uh, keep writing these short stories. Frankly, Dan, uh, the the book wrote itself mm. because you know you'd meet pilgrims and you know everybody had a had an incredible story. Um, you know they were doing it for a myriad of reasons, and and so I found it just fascinating to kind of chronicle some of the people whom we met along the way. So yeah. when, I, when, I, yeah, when I came back, when I finished, uh, the, the real trick was then to take the uh, short stories 
and then put them all together uh, in, 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 a, you know, in a book form. And, uh, and I, you know, I, did, I joined a writer's club uh, when I got back, and boy, did that help uh, as well, uh, because I, I found writers who would critique uh, my works, and uh, you know, they would provide constructive feedback. Yeah, terrific. You said in telling this story about my brother and sister pilgrims, I learned more about humanity. And in learning more about humanity, I could better understand that my reason for living was to serve others. How has the Camino impacted your life at home? Well, I I find myself more at peace, more at ease. Um, I'm not as... uh, affected or troubled by, by minor, minor things that we come up with, uh, day-to-day life. It's, it, it, it's kind of comforting to know that, Hey, look, I've, I've done this Camino with my wife. I've, uh, I feel, you know, we've, we've come closer to God. And, and so this kind of just seems to naturally carry over, uh, into day-to-day life when we return to our day-to-day life. So, uh, I, I just feel more more at peace, um, more satisfied, and um, to be honest with you, I, 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 uh, I have we have a yearning to to go back and 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 mm. do it again, yeah. maybe a different try a different route. But um, again, all of this uh, it was really inspired by by the pilgrims, and and that's why I wrote the book. You you actually quote James Michener in his book Iberia where he wrote about his third pilgrimage in 1966, he said, I have long believed any man interested in either the mystic or the romantic aspects of life must sooner or later define his attitude concerning Spain. So tell us about walking into Pamplona and the children playing handball. Oh, boy. That's, uh, <laughs> I, I loved was, it. I loved oh, it. Dan, you got me there, Dan. You got me there. Oh, boy. You know, uh, I, I was really in pain at the time. Uh, in the book, I, I mentioned that um, you know during our, pro- our warm-ups, our practice uh, hikes around in and around uh, you know Agora Agora Hills, Woodland Hills, which you know you've been there. Yeah. Uh, all of these trails in the Santa Monica Mountains. Uh, I found out that when I got up to about twelve miles, my uh, my knee, my right knee, uh, really started to become painful. So. Uh, those first few days on the Camino uh, were just very, very painful for the for the knee. Even though I had I had gotten a, um, a cortisone injection uh, like just before I left from the doctor, but uh, I, I saw my wife and this Irish woman, very very sweet woman, Teresa, kind of disappearing into Pamplona, you know, blocks ahead of me, and I'm I'm just falling further and further behind. I got very discouraged, um, and you know, I was I was just about in tears. I just thought this is really the end of it. Um, it. It just doesn't look good. And then, out of just kind of out of nowhere, I see this um, everyday uh, kids uh, these these uh, kids playing uh, handball uh, or some type of game. Yeah, handball. It was uh, in a little street just to the side side street. And I thought, I really need, uh, and again, this goes back to people, and I just, I think I can, I can really get some energy here from these, they were just such beautiful kids. And that's when I uh, kind of intervened in their handball game, 
And, uh, you know, I, I got a little silly and I said a bunch of silly things like I'm the king. I'm the king of handball. <laughs> and, and some of the kids disagreed with me pretty loudly. No, you're not. You're a fraud. You know, <laughs> and, and this little this little brunette, this little girl, she must have been uh, eight years old, nine years old. And she grabs my sleeve and says, uh, don't worry about them. I'll play you for a euro. <laughs> and, and, and just that, that her attitude, her spunk, uh, just that, that natural reaction from kids, uh, just it just boosted me. It, it gave me this lift. And, um, you know, I, I, of course, I, I, I quickly vacated the premises and let them get back <laughs> to the game. But uh, just that carried me for another mile or two miles or whatever it was. And sure, I was in pain, but that that happy happiness that 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 girl had just given me those kids uh yeah got me to pamplona and that story sums up perfectly your motivation for writing the book you say the camino has a way of bringing out the best in our fellow human beings i'm talking about real feelings here about getting all the hugs you can get a hearty slap on the back and a cheerful buen camino from people all around the world You wrote, since beginning the Camino, we, that's you and Aurora, must have been involved in a dozen or more conversations about why people choose to walk it. So, why did you walk the Camino de Santiago? Well, I think it was for all the the reasons that we had talked about uh, earlier. Uh, You know, again, that that kind of the bucket list items. But at the same time, I, I felt that you know, I had to do it. I felt that there was, uh, I was going to learn something from it. Uh, I didn't have really high expectations. I wanted, again, to let it flow into us, into me. But, um, you know, in the end, uh, when it was all said and done, when I got to the cathedral at the end, uh, there was just this magnificent uh, moment, uh, This, and I refer to it as this kind of emotional tipping point where uh, all of the experiences came together at this one moment in time, right after the Pilgrim's Mass, in this little chapel off to the side of the cathedral, where, um, you know, I was asked to talk about some of, you know, the highlights of the trip in front of other pilgrims. Uh, and, um, you know, that's, that's when it just all hit me at once. And there was, uh, I felt so much, and this is what really surprised me, uh, because, you know, if someone says, oh, I had this kind of out-of-body experience, and, and, I, and I, I'd be skeptical myself, but here I was having an out-of-body experience in this chapel, and I don't know whatever it was, maybe God's intervention, or or, or maybe it was just some emotions, or I, I, can't, I can't, but who cares, because at that, at that moment, I actually felt as if I had, I was with angels, uh, who actually the other pilgrims, and they became angels. And for just just uh, this moment in time, uh, I was on heaven's doorstep, and the, this incredible love and peace just kind of soaked through my, my whole body. And I thought, if this is heaven, I, I want it. And now, you know, so this that, that was the big, big surprise for me, this kind of catharsis of, 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 of spirituality and and emotions and and you know the pain and suffering to get there and all the camaraderie but um that that's one of the that's what i 
I received from the Camino. Why did Aurora walk the Camino? Uh, because uh, she is a um, she's a, a, a fairly religious person, and uh, she has this love for hiking, and uh, she too has a love uh, love for Spain. And I, I think for all of those reasons, uh, plus you know I'm, I'm, I was doing it, um, you know she she was going to be a part of that, yeah. and uh, I'm I'm glad she was. You wrote in the book, the consensus among pilgrims is the Camino is an extremely personal experience. There was no template, no standard, no one reason or way to do it. If you wanted to walk the Camino in three weeks or three years, hey, it's your Camino. If you choose to take a bus or a taxi on the Camino because you're tired or injured, hey, that's okay. It's your Camino. And that's the title of the book. But in that book, the Polish pilgrim Carolina told you her reason for walking. She said, I've lost a part of myself and I wish to find it again. I thought that was a very good reason to walk, Ken. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, it was, uh, that was very touching. I remember that. Um, and this, this was a, uh, a woman that actually, from behind, looked like my mother. Yeah, you uh, said that, yeah. If you recall. But... Um, you know, when she said that, I I understood perfectly, and I I didn't want to pry uh, because I just I just felt like she, that was that was an that was all she was going to disclose to us, and it was very personal. Mm. So we, I, you know, okay, you know, well, I hope you find what you're looking for. That's uh, that's that's what I understood from from her. Yeah. There's a common theory. We've talked about it here before, but I like the way you talked about it in the book. The personal stages of the, of the Camino can be broken down into three parts, the physical, the psychological, and the spiritual. Can you just elaborate on that? Perhaps there's someone listening who hasn't heard that description before, that there are three parts to it, the physical, the psychological, and the spiritual Camino. Right. So the you know the physical part of the Camino is really the adjustment to the, to this, uh, to the body's shock where you are, you know, hiking through mountains and you're, you're walking. Um, there were long days where you, where you're walking, uh, you know, from eight in the morning, maybe to, and again, we're, we're, we were slower. So we were talking about five, getting in five, 6 PM. Right. So, so those, those, you know, maybe a week of that, of this, this, um, of that physical Camino, uh, then the, uh, this, the second, the second part, and you're going to have to remind me again, I, I don't, the, psych- uh, the psychological part. Yeah. The, the psychological part is, uh, you, you could feel this as you're, uh, going through that flat section in Spain called La Meseta. And it's just flat, and the, the, the landscape is not uh, not too varied, and it's it becomes uh, tedious, and you know you're struggling with the landscape. The there's there's just not a lot happening except you, you just keep walking and walking, and you've got to do it every day. I mean, you're yeah. uh, here we go again, you know, <laughs> you, and you get in and you you know you ice up your knees and you have a meal and then you, you know, you get horizontal and then, uh, good morning, we're back on the Camino. So 
that that was an interesting part. Uh, and and I noticed that so, uh, some pilgrims at this point said, "I don't want to deal with this part. I'm going up ahead. I'll take a taxi or a bus." Uh, but uh, but you know we we we, we kind of toughed that out. And then uh, f- finally, that you come to the end, and I, I'd lo- you know that's about a, a week. I would say uh, in Galicia, in Saria, uh, you s- start to feel this spiritual uh, uh, Camino because you're near the end. You've had all these experiences. You're reflecting about those experiences. You're reflecting about you know what this Camino uh, means to you, and um, you know so that that's the spiritual uh, phase. So, yeah, those are pretty much the, the three phases. I, 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 there's a part in the book where you talk about a couple who were blind, who were walking the Camino together. I got, I got very emotional when I was reading that. And I, I, perhaps we won't tell too much of that story because it's a really good reason to buy the book. But w- when, I, when I read it, I thought, that's a story. And that takes extraordinary bravery, doesn't it? And belief in one another too, Ken. Absolutely, Dan. Uh, and, you know, this was a couple, a blind couple from um, from Minnesota, uh, our, our country. And they were, uh, he, uh, Russell, was uh, blind from birth and his wife was legally blind. And yet uh, there they were out there like anybody else. Nice. Uh, they, I mean, they had the, uh, they had a, an app for the blind. I think it's called uh, Blind, the Blind Square app. And they also were using Wise Pilgrim uh, app. But here they were. Uh, and, it, you know, truth be told, uh, in my whole lifetime, I've, I've spent maybe a few minutes with blind people and uh, maybe walking uh, a blind person across the street. And I've never taken time in my entire life to spend any time with blind people and to find out what their challenges are, you know, how they cope with life. And, and here they were, and, uh, and that's, that's another, it was a big discovery for me as, as well, uh, that I had t- taken my senses, the sense of sight, specifically for granted my entire life. And it, it culminated, uh, as you recall, when we uh, got to that little town, mm. I think that was Arroyo Sanbol, and we stopped, and we were, um, and you know, it was a, a beautiful sight. Uh, there was a like a little bridge, Roman bridge. Uh, there was a stream. There were flowers and trees, and and then uh, Russell, just out of nowhere, said, "Ken, what do you see?" And you know, I I lost it. I really lost it. I, I it just when I think back, I I was speechless uh, for a second. But uh, I composed myself and I said, "I owe it." to this to this man to to tell him what is out there in in the best words i can uh, to describe uh what it is in front of us and it really it really shook me up uh and it it still shakes me up yeah it's a a great it's a great story honestly i'm getting teary thinking about it again i i it's just magic it's just magic you know i I should say to you um just while I think about it, you know for somebody who's never been a writer before, it's beautifully written uh and it's a very easy read and a very enjoyable read um I, I don't know if it's in my script to congratulate you about the way it's written but it's 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 somewhere in the in the words all these words here in front of me I'm sure it is but 
just while I think of it, it is beautifully written. And that part, that that little section of the book is um, very moving. Yeah, it's lovely. You, yeah. you, you and Aurora walked together. Indeed, as I said before, the subtitle of the book is One Couple's 500-Mile Pilgrimage Across Spain. Did you always walk together? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> uh, right. And I, you know, I, I have to smile because, you, you know, uh, so we've, we've been together about 38 years, and but, oh. but who's counting? <laughs> and, and uh, you know, you're, you're together as a couple, you're together on the Camino 24-7. And so I always tell people that, you know, couples that want to do it, make sure that your spouse or your significant other is your best friend. Um, because, you know, when you're out there, uh, you're going to have to make some compromises. I, I quickly learned that, um, Aurora, you know, she has to stop at every church along the way and, and go in and, <laughs> and, and say a prayer. And, and, you know, after a while I was like, wait a second, you know, we're never going to meet our schedule of 31 days because that's all we have. If you keep going into every church along the way. And, and, and so, so we, we had a compromise, uh, in, in that way. And, you know, I wanted to stay, um, an extra day in Ponferrada, uh, at the castle for the, uh, Knights Templar. But, uh, you know, she said, no, 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 you know, we have to move on. You know, you, you've had your one day of castles, you know, <laughs> time to get to the churches. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you, um, it's give and take, and uh, no, we uh, we walked apart sometimes. Uh, sometimes it was it, most of the time we were together, but every once in a while, you know, there'd be some women. They they'd start talking to my wife, and I'd kind of peel off, and I'd find uh, find a guy, and we we talk, and you know, so we go back and forth uh, like that for. 500 miles. Yeah. <laughs> you wrote of walking alongside your wife, silence can be golden. It provides an opportunity for introspection to look within and assess who we are, where we've been and where we are going. And it's very important, Ken, isn't it, to be a good listener? Yes. I'm, uh, you know, if, if anything, I'm a, I'm a good listener. Uh, in fact, I, I, made, I made a career out of it. Um, maybe you have read my bio. Yeah, but um, you know, sure. Yeah, the old eighty twenty rule. Uh, you know, listen eighty percent of the time and talk twenty percent of the time, and and you can learn some extraordinary things. And and you know, that's what I love doing is is listening and then you know, writing a story and telling the story and sharing it with the reader. Um, that that's that's what turns me on. That yeah. motivates me. Yeah, and there's this great passage I have here highlighted. We came upon a fence festooned with hundreds of small handmade crosses of rope, twigs and branches, stretching for almost a mile. It was as if we were entering an Indian burial ground. These wayside crosses from our fellow pilgrims are part of the Jacobian smorgasbord of tiny shrines, chapels and cairn stones, all of which serve as an ambulatory confession and absolution. As they say in university exams, Ken, discuss. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I think the the thing that um, really stood out there were the were these uh, uh, handmade crosses that were on the on the fences, and you know, it, we it was um, kind of a gloom, gloomy weather, and it was um, just 
when I saw it, um, and, and we're kind of climbing uphill, that there was mud and mm. and and some um, inclement weather. Like I said, it was just it it just it hit me as you know like Indian burial grounds. You know, like something you'd see yeah. in a movie. And and so that was my uh, and then all of that just seemed to to kind of uh, lead uh, from from you know that with absolution and uh, you know putting the crosses up there and then these stone cairns and it just it all seemed to run together, um, if if you will. So I wanted to make sure that 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 got into the book. Yeah. Yeah. As as well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's very powerful. It's very powerful. And when you come across them, if you're lucky enough to have a bit of space and time and pause, it's, they're very powerful places. Um, the the energy is palpable. Absolutely, Dan. Uh, you're absolutely right. And uh, also, the other thing uh, that uh, hit us was you would see these. Um, uh, you know, these, these were for people who had uh, kind of memorials, right? Mm, where, mm. Where people who had passed away yeah. on the Camino, and uh, those, uh, you know, those reached out and they grabbed you and they shook you, and. Uh, you know, you'd feel bad for that person and on, on the one level. On the other level, you, you think, what a wonderful place to die, you know, on, the, on this, on this uh, sacred pilgrimage. Uh, you know, if you're going to, to, to die, you know, this, is, this would be the place. But, uh, yeah, they would remind you uh, every so often that, um, you, you know, people, um, you know, it's serious uh, walking these distances and the uh, and the weather and all, all of that stuff and even taking on cars and trucks sometimes on some of these paths um, you know it's it's all out there it's a challenge you you met some nuns and you said you remain in awe of nuns in awe of their sacrifice to remain celibate to do works of charity and to meet all challenges even this Camino with good cheer to me Ken it's their humility and they are, and they are tr- true pilgrims, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. I I was in such awe of these um, uh, these two sisters. I think they're from the Order of, of Mercy in, in Krakow, Poland. But uh, you're right. They they were so humble, and they they gave of their time. People wanted to touch them and uh, be blessed by them, and to be in their company. And they took it all in, and they just. Um, you know, they, they too went with the flow and there was a lot of give and take with them. And uh, we just fell in love with, as you said, Dan, their, their, their humbleness, their humility, um, all, all of those things, so attractive uh, to, to us. And, and we were so grateful to have spent some, some time with them. And they uh, continue to correspond with us. We received a, a WhatsApp, uh, some photos uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, they were back uh, finishing the uh, the Camino this time. They they finished it. How lovely! Fancy the nuns sending you messages on WhatsApp. I know, I know. <laughs> it's hilarious. It is pretty cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Tell us about blisters, Kenneth Strange Jr. or lack thereof. <laughs> uh, thanks, Dan. Uh, well, in my case, uh, well, in our case, it was really a lack thereof because. Yeah. Well, we we did not have any blisters, and I think we have to give credit to the footwear that we that we had. You know, we knew, and and we've been hiking for many years, so we know that you know if you want to do it right, if you want to do it safely, if you want to do it comfortably, uh, you're going to have to shell out 
uh, some extra money to get the best equipment. And uh, so, again, this is all about walking, isn't it, uh, 500 miles? So, mm. uh, you know, we, we went down at, okay, here we go back to Woodland Hills again, but, uh, you know, went to the REI store there, and uh, we got some uh, very nice uh, shoes, and, uh, you know, we had the uh, REI socks, and, and that seemed to do the, do the trick for us. Uh, I, I think my wife had one blister, and, and I had zero. So, and, and, and when you met other pilgrims and, and you had, I'm sure you've had this experience too. Some of them had like, uh, like a dozen blisters yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and even they were forced off the Camino yeah, yeah. For, for a day or two. So it was really serious. Yeah. That can be very serious. No, it's good advice to take advice and go to see the best people in the business at those hiking stores or, or really go and find out and do as much research as you possibly can because, you can be ruined three days in. You oh, can, it can be finished, and we've all seen it. Oh, um, yes. yeah. yeah. Yeah, terrible. There's a great aspect of the book which focuses on your your life's work in many ways, and that is as a police officer and the disappearance of Annie McCarrick um, and you your role in telling that story on the Camino, which is incredible. But without going into it, because it's a good part of the book and people ought to read themselves. But being a, a former FBI guy, uh, are you surprised at your ability to be so emotional, to to be so influenced by the energy of this journey you find yourself on? Well, you know, I, I don't want to be false to myself and... Uh, you know, put on some kind of a face uh, where I'm uh, serious, all business. Um, I mean, I mean, certainly there's a time for that, and you're trained to do what you have to do. But uh, for me, uh, I think, and and you know, the success I've had in my career has been with uh, just being honest and genuine mm. uh, with people, and that that includes being moved. And so, you know, I've I've sat across, uh, talked to witnesses, and even subjects. And, um, you know, if, if they know you're listening and if, and if they can sense that you're honest um, and, and, and you have some empathy, mm -hmm. uh, they, they will open up even more. They will trust you. So um, that, that, on that level, that has always uh, worked for me. But, um, you know, here, um, you know, I was trying to solve, we're trying to solve a uh, the disappearance of my neighbor, and it just so coincided that uh, the uh, Irish television station wanted to interview me while I was on the Camino. Yeah. So, so uh, we did, we decided. Yeah, we, you know, it's been uh, I don't know, almost uh, twenty. I think it's twenty eight years since uh, Annie disappeared uh, in the Wicklow Mountains uh, with some other girls. I think there are six other girls that have also gone missing. So uh, I, I, we just we, we just wanted to keep getting the word out there. And so, and, and you know, I thought, you know, Annie McCarrick, a, a really, uh, you know, Irish Catholic girl, uh, you know, they were always in church. I remember the whole family. And so, you know, is it, walking the Camino would have been something Annie McCarrick would have done, too. So I, I did said, I'm just going to take time out of this and, and, and uh, spend time and get the word out about Annie McCarrick. Yeah, it's a fascinating story and a great aspect to the book. You wrote elsewhere about you and Aurora, your wife. If we learned anything, it was the Camino, like life, 
was a personal journey, a journey which was meant to help the traveller reflect upon the other world, breathe in the air and wait in joyous expectation for what might be around the corner. It all seemed so simple. I love that little piece of writing because it is simple, isn't it, Ken? If, if, yeah. you, if you're good to other people and, and you treat other people with respect and you live very frugally and simply, it can be, life can be very enjoyable. It can, it can be joyous, uh, yeah. that, that, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, simplicity, I think, is, um, you know, serves us best. And not, not overthinking things all the time or, you know, that's where anxiety uh, comes in. And, and just, um, again, just trying to be in the moment and, and uh, uh, wait, for, wait for the surprises. Like, like that little girl uh, yeah. just outside Pamplona. You know, never, never expected it, came out of nowhere. I went with the flow and uh, I made it I made it to Pamplona. I have to mention one last passage from the book. About a block from the Bayona railway station, I spotted a man in his late 40s or early 50s wearing a cowboy hat with his backpack parked near his table at an outdoor cafe. He was nursing a beer. Greeting him in English, I inquired if we were heading in the right direction. Yes, you are, he said in a Texas drawl. And remember this, he said, grinning. The Camino is one big party. Yes. Well, is, is the Camino one big party? Was he right? Uh, well, there's a certain aspect, uh, uh, there, there's a certain truth to it. Um, if, if that's what you're looking for, you can find it. Yeah. That, that's for sure. And, you know, we were kind of drafting a group of people where that, that, was, um, that was their goal, yeah, uh, really. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, not not so much uh, looking for any spirituality, but just uh, enjoying themselves and whether that would be drink or, or whatever and uh, having fun and, uh, you know, staying up into the late hours, just kind of whooping and hollering. And, you know, but again, we, you know, we've been there, done that. So uh, that's um, not, not what we were looking for. It's but, your it's your Camino about, right? Yeah, it's your Camino. I'm glad you said that because, um, and I have to credit this uh, wonderful, uh, these two English women who were with us right from the beginning. We separated in uh, Burgos, uh, Helen and Kim. And uh, it was Helen who really uh, tossed that out to me. And she said, oh, Ken, you know, it's the way you do it your own way. And, you know, whatever, 10 hours a day or two or a bus or a taxi or whatever. And she said, it's your Camino. And, mm. and it just stuck with me. And, and she was absolutely right. She nailed it. Uh, it it's the way you want to do it the, at your pace. Uh, you know, if it's churches or castles or, you know, if, if uh, you want to be. And, and we met some people that were just uh, weren't talking, uh, wouldn't talk because they were deep in reflection, introspection. And, you know, that's that's great for them. But so so you, you do it your own way. It's your Camino. Do you and Aurora talk about it much? Now you're back. Yes, yes all the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, we initially when we got back, it was like our. Uh, our bodies wanted to keep walking, you know, mm. and you have to say, no, there's nowhere to walk or you, you, you know, there's no, uh, we're not walking 18, 20 miles today, but no, uh, we, um, uh, we, we think a lot about it. And of course, in marketing the book, Dan, um, you know, we talk to groups and, and so, um, we think about it often. 
and, and we maintain uh, friendships uh, that we made uh, a year ago. So, like the nuns, uh, we, yeah. we we still we still talk to them. What would you say to somebody thinking of walking the Camino de Santiago? Do it. Get out there and and do it. Um, uh, now, uh, get, get the proper equipment. Uh, practice a little bit if you can, if you have the luxury of time. Uh, you know, do some practice hikes and uh, that type of thing. But um, if you know, if it's sixty miles or five hundred miles or whatever it is, get out there and and just do it. Uh, you're gonna love it. I think it's going to. Uh, I think it's going to change your life. Tell us a Camino story. Uh, <laughs> well, I, you know, the, uh, I found, I found a lot of, uh, humorous things on the Camino as, as well. And, uh, there's a part that, uh, I wrote called shaken up. Mm. And th- this is where we were in an albergue in, um, Puente de la Reina. And we were the last ones in, well, we were always the last ones in. And so, uh, the, uh, the receptionist showed us to our bunks on the uh, third or fourth floor. It was the, the top floor. And so we had to lug everything up there. And then we come in so late that um, they weren't able to put us in, uh, in bunk beds kind of together. So Aurora was uh, asked to go on one side of the room and I was on the other. Uh, so we, we kind of split, split up. Uh, and there was a, of course, there was a, uh, there was a lady who was in there and she was kind of flirtatious. And I'm like, please, no, no. And, and the husband was a very jealous guy and he was just kind of snarling and, and uh, very controlling. So, and she's kind of, Oh, hi, how are you? And I'm like, Oh, please don't, 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 don't talk to me. Your husband's going to kill me. Um, and then, uh, that night, you know, I fell asleep and I, I think I called it a delicious sleep because it was a great sleep. And then I had this dream that I was being shaken. And uh, I woke up and I was, it was no dream. You know, he was shaking me and he said, you are snoring in a, a very thick Eastern European accent. And uh, so, uh, you know, that, that got my attention. And it went from, <laughs> and it's funny, uh, you know, now I can't sleep and I'm staring up at the ceiling and in the dark. Um, and he starts snoring, and I think, man, I should go over there, but I, I won't, you know. And then I, now I have to go to the bathroom, and then, you know, I head out, and in the dark, I'm like tiptoeing around and trying not to make noise, and the door is squeaking, ouch. You know, I do my thing, I come back, the door squeaks again, ouch. And then, like a bonehead, I grabbed for my pants, which were on the floor, because I'd seen them in the light, and they looked kind of scrunched up, and I said, no, let me fold the pants, and I'll... I'll, as I go up to the top bunk, I'll put them away. And I grabbed the pants from the uh, leg. And then uh, I, I didn't, I didn't realize I had all these coins. No. Ouch. Ouch. And uh, uh, boy, uh, those were not very happy pilgrims that night. <laughs> those, those, coins, those coins took off in so many different directions and they just kept spinning. Ouch. Ouch. Oh, that's a great story. You know, I can hear the Camino calling me pretty much every single day. And reading your book took me back uh, step by step. Thanks so much for your time, Ken. I've really thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you, and I really appreciate uh, your, your scholarship because you've sat down something way outside your comfort zone. You've written a book. <laughs> and, and And really, when I look at it, 
And I put it down. I thought, oh, that's great. I'm looking forward to interviewing Ken. And, and I thought, that book represents part of your journey too, doesn't it? Yes, it's, 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 it's my Camino. It's our Camino. And it certainly does. And, uh, hey, Dan, uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, and by the way, uh, you know, I, I heard about you from a, another podcaster, uh, Stephen Bauman. Uh, the, he does the uh, Hour of History podcast. He mentioned you, and and then when my wife and I went on the uh, you know, website and we found you and that beautiful song uh, uh, somewhere along the way, it was awesome. You've got such a beautiful voice, and uh, it was short, sweet, and it just it had all the key pieces on the Camino. Uh, the only regret I have is, unlike you, we did not make it to Land's End. Uh, we hope we hope to do so. Oh, how fantastic. I know it'll be calling you back and probably ringing in your ears every day. But I, I wanted to say congratulations to you and Aurora for your ability you. to share your story. I thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you. And, uh, and I know our paths will cross one day. There's no doubt about it. Buen Camino, Ken. Buen Camino. Thank you. Happy holidays, Dan. My guest this week is the U.S. pilgrim and author Kenneth Strange Jr. The U.S. writer Thomas M. Siriano wrote in his memoir, The Constant Outsider, Memoirs of a South Boston Mechanic, 10 years ago. He said, each of us is a book waiting to be written. And that book, if written, results in a person explained. You can get Ken's book, It's Your Camino, One Couple's 500-Mile Pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago. It's on Amazon and where all good books are sold. Thanks for your company as always. I'm Dan Mullins. Until next week, Buen Camino. Somewhere